Happy New Year. Welcome back to Winning Cures Everything for 2023. Today is Tuesday, January the 3rd, and we're going to talk about TCU beating Michigan. We're going to talk about Georgia beating Ohio State, what it means for those programs, along with some of these other bowl games, the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, etc. But let's go ahead and get it started right here. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is Tuesday, January the 3rd. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that on the screen. Hopefully everybody's having a good new year. It is our first show of the year. I guess this is season eight. I think that's correct. So season eight, episode one. I think we'll uh, we'll start numbering these things so that we can kind of keep track of them. I need to do a better job of that since I am a one-man show now. But regardless, uh, let me go on and tell you, I am excited about what this year has in store for Winning Cures Everything, what it has in store for the sport of college football, We're going to talk today about TCU over Michigan. We're going to talk about Georgia over Ohio State, along with a slew of other things. Uh, But I'm going to try and roll through them relatively quickly. Uh, As we go further in the year, I will be going more in-depth on some of these topics. We're going to talk a lot of college football this year. This is going to be a college football-specific channel. That is my plan. Now, don't get me wrong. I might still do on Twitter some college basketball bets, etc., because I do still bet on college basketball. But this channel will be specifically for college football. That's my plan. We're going to do all kinds of things. We're going to rate stuff. We're going to give rankings to uh, different things. We're going to talk basically anything that has to do with the sport. That's what we're going to do. And my plan is to do it every Monday and Thursday throughout the season. Or excuse me, throughout the, um, how about this, until the regular season kicks off again. That's the plan. But we're going to talk about everything, whether it's the Senior Bowl or the NFL Draft or whatever. Uh, We're going to talk about it from a college football point of view. So that is our plan. Hopefully you are willing to stick around. Share out the show. Tell your friends about it. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel or subscribed on podcast. And uh, and we will go on and kick this thing into gear. Uh, If you would, let me go out and start. If you'll toss in your city or your town into the chat. That would certainly be nice. I would like to see where you guys are listening from, so go ahead and toss that in there. Uh, Let me go on and tell you that this show is powered by BetUS. It is America's premier online sportsbook. Look, they got fast payouts. They got great customer service. They are awesome. BetUS is everything that you could look for in an online sportsbook, so go and check them out. There's a link in the description below, and you can get a $50 free play over there. Uh, No deposit required. It doesn't get better than that. Now, read the rules and regulations, all that kind of stuff. What The fine print. Check all that stuff out. But make sure that you go and get signed up, and they're going to give you $50 free to play with and just so that you can get used to the sports book. You can get acclimated to what it is that they offer. Uh, I highly recommend them. 
obviously. I, I host the Bet U.S. College Football Show, which, by the way, we will be live on Wednesday, January the 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern time going over the Georgia and TCU National Championship game. Uh, so go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed over there as well. There's a link in the description for that. So let's uh, let's go on and dive into some of the things that I had on the docket for today's show. Uh, we'll start off with this. TCU 51, Michigan 45. This was in the Fiesta Bowl. It was uh, semifinal number one for the college football playoff. And this was uh, insane. Absolutely insane. Let's go ahead and pull it up on the screen so that you can see what I'm looking at here. Uh, EPA on the day, TCU 0.2, Michigan minus 0.02. It was ridiculous. Uh, TCU 54% success rate, Michigan 45%. The thing that surprised me the most was the fact that uh, TCU ran the ball better than Michigan. Like, that's Michigan's bread and butter. That is what they are supposed to be able to do. They got the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line. They are the bully team, or at least that's what their identity has been. And TCU just told them, nah, nah, we're going we're gonna to handle that. We got that. That's what we do. And that's 100% what they did. Uh, TCU, 62% success rate on runs. Michigan, only 36%. When you look at stuffed runs, so a stuffed run is a run that is stopped at the line of scrimmage or behind it. One of every four Michigan runs was stuffed. TCU was 5%. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. Let's uh, let's pull up over here. We'll look at exactly, uh, yeah, you know, that's game on paper. Let's pull up the ESPN numbers right quick so that you can kind of get an idea. Uh, Kendra Miller went out relatively early in this game. Only had eight rushes, but he averaged 7.1 himself with a long of only 14. Imari DiMercato, 17 carries for 150 yards in this game. Like, Max Duggan even ran it for two touchdowns. Like, it, they were able to do whatever they wanted to running the football against Michigan. Now, is this a Michigan issue where they are just too slow? I don't think so. It, it They seem like they just didn't know what was happening here. So, on the other side of the ball, Michigan... Uh, J.J. McCarthy, yeah, he threw two pick sixes. Obviously, that is huge in a game that came down to, uh, you know, a six-point margin. That's a big deal. But he was 20 out of 34, 343 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, without him in the game, Michigan's not in this thing. Like, that's, that's the other side of this. Yeah, I know he threw two pick sixes. But also, that TCU offense was scoring. They were putting up points. You look at... JJ, without J.J. McCarthy's explosive ability, Michigan's not in that game. Now, we're not going to worry about referees and all that. There were egregious calls on both sides. Uh, the, the refs were just bad, which, by the way, same referees from the Alabama-Tennessee game earlier this year in Knoxville. Just tossing that out there. Uh, but the, these guys just had no idea what they were doing. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. Uh, Michigan, on the other hand, I... I, I could not believe what I was watching. It was just mind-blowing to see the fact that they could not do anything against TCU. They couldn't stop the wide receivers. They couldn't stop the running backs. Uh, they, it's like they were confused pretty much the entire ballgame. So let's, let's talk for a minute about what's next for Michigan because we know TCU is moving on to the college football playoff. After this loss to TCU... What's next for Jim Harbaugh? What's next for Michigan? 
this was supposed to be the next step, right? Last year, you go in as the number two seed in the CFP. Uh, you beat Ohio State for the first time last year. The next step was supposed to be this year. You go and you beat Ohio State in Columbus, and then you go into the playoff as a seven and a half point favorite as opposed to an underdog, and you're supposed to get to the national title game. You are playing a quote unquote inferior team. So, what does Michigan do next? Well, the next thing you do is you continue to do the same thing. Georgia did this. Georgia made it to the national title game in 2017 and then did not make it back to that until 2021, but they set themselves up and gave themselves a chance every single year. That's what their goal was, and they built it and built it and built it until they became the juggernauts, until they became the ones that were ruling the sport. If you're Michigan, you are still new to this. J.J. McCarthy is still young. It's his first year as a starter. You still got a bunch of young guys on that defense. Yes, you may feel like the window is closing, but if you continue to recruit at a high level and you recruit to your identity, that's the most important thing here. You keep putting yourself in that position, you will be able to get over that hump eventually. We've seen it from Georgia. We have not seen it from Ryan Day yet. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, But uh, if Harbaugh sticks around, that is obviously what the next step is. Now, I bring up Harbaugh sticking around because that is the news that is out right now, right? Uh, let's let's go on and pull up this news story here. Is Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL? Is is this a thing that we're going to do every year now? Uh, I'm I'm a little surprised that you know after last year where he told uh, he told Ward Manuel that this was a one off thing uh, that he is sticking around now. Uh, you know, this is from Chip Patterson over at CBS, but this is not a report that is exclusive to him. This is going across the country right now. Jim Harbaugh's team is letting it be known that if he gets offered an NFL head coaching job, he's going to take it. I think this was the same thing that went on last year. This year, you've got the Panthers that are open. Uh, the Broncos are now open. And he is letting it be known that he is willing to jump out there. Uh, It says Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh could be seeing yet another round of NFL interest after the number two Wolverine season concluded with Saturday night's 51 to 45 loss to number three TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, It says if offered a job to return to the pros, Harbaugh is expected to leave his alma mater, according to The Athletic. So this one originally was reported by The Athletic. Uh, And then a source close to him said, I think it's a done deal if he gets an offer. Now, is he going to get an offer? That's an interesting question, right? That, that's where this all gets really, really interesting. I am not certain that he will get an offer, but I don't think it would be the worst hire anybody could make. I think Harbaugh's an exceptional football coach at either level. I think he knows what he's doing. And I think this year he would be more likely to leave than last. How important was Biff Pogey, who is now the new Charlotte head coach, Because he came into Michigan and kind of changed the identity of that team, changed what that team was all about. Does he not want to, does does Harbaugh not want to continue on in college without him? Was he vital to the success of the Wolverine program? That's a good question. Something very interesting there. 
Uh, so I'm I'm interested in this. I, I don't know that Harbaugh will uh, will be offered a job, uh, but I would I will tell you this. My prediction is that he will be an NFL head coach next year. That would be my prediction. Uh, because why would you, you know, we can say why would you continue to do this? Uh, he has not shown a willingness to recruit at the top, top levels. And if you want to be in George's position, that's what you have to do. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, speaking of Georgia, hey, why not? Let's go on and let's go on and talk about it. Georgia, 42, Ohio State, 41. And my goodness gracious, this was in the Peach Bowl. That kick missed right when the clock struck midnight. Um, man, I mean, you got to feel for the kid, Ruggles. Um, I just, I, I, that is such a heartbreaking way to lose a football game. But I will tell you, on, on my side, from where I was sitting, I don't think that that Ryan Day run call was a dumb decision. I think that they had Georgia right where they wanted them, and everything that you had done to that point was through C.J. Stroud. And yes, C.J. Stroud had the hot hand, etc., but every now and then you can catch a defense off. And that's what they were attempting to do. They had plenty of timeouts. They had two timeouts left. Why not try and run one, try and sneak something by that defense that was a little bit gassed from having to chase down C.J. Stroud, right? Try and do something, and instead they lose a yard on the run. And then they throw two incompletions, and then you got to settle for a 50-yard field goal for the win. Yes, I understand the way that it looks now, but hindsight is always 20-20. In that position, when you got two timeouts, why would you not? I mean, it's not like he ran the ball three straight times into the line and was just setting up for a field goal. He was trying something a little bit different to try and get a little few extra yards. Something, right? That I, he, Maybe they could have broken one off. Maybe who knows what they could have done. But at that point, to me, it did make a lot of sense. Let's, uh, let's look at the numbers on this. Georgia, 0.45 EPA. Ohio State was 0.26. Well, that is partially because uh, Ohio State ran more plays, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's look at it. Ohio State, 34 passes to Georgia, 34 passes. Uh, Ohio State, 32 rushing attempts, and Georgia, 26 rushing attempts. Okay, so it was only six more plays. It wasn't it wouldn't some outlandish thing here. Uh, but if you go back and look at the actual numbers, and this is uh, from the guys over at College Football Geek, by the way, on Twitter, the success rate was dead even, 51% to 51%. But if you look, uh, the first quarter and second quarter, uh, basically even. I mean, Georgia was a little bit better, but Ohio State was able to finish drives better. You look at third quarter, and Georgia went down by 14 points. It was 38-24 going into the fourth. And then once you got into the fourth quarter, it flipped. Georgia's 62% success rate to Ohio State 38%. Uh, both teams better passing the ball than they were running the ball. You look at standard down success rate, passing down success rate. Uh, this was a pretty evenly stuffed game, um, or a pretty evenly matched game. You look at the stuffed runs. I mean, Georgia, uh, almost one out of every three runs was stuffed. That is crazy to me. Uh, their big play rate was 25%. Like, that is just, that is just something else. 
Just something else. And Ohio State's big play rate was 19%. I mean, it was big plays all over the field. A big play, by the way, is a running play that goes 12 or more yards and a passing play that goes 15 or more. And so, uh, you look at who had, like, the big numbers. Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, going out, that was a huge, huge deal. Um Stover going out was huge. Uh, Darnell Washington going out for Georgia was huge. I mean, there, there was everybody was losing guys. It is what it is. Uh, Georgia ended up with more yardage on the day, 533 yards to 467. I sent the BetUS guys a text and told them, basically, and I'm going to open myself up here, I said, uh, I guess I'm not going to have to deal with much of the Stetson Bennett crowd after tonight because, I mean, the interception and just uh, he did not look good early on. But those last three drives, 10 out of 12 passing for 207 yards, I mean, he was absolutely unbelievable. And I get it, right? We did have the the cornerback that fell down, just the, the wide open touchdown. We, But th- that's all part of it. That's all part of all of this. He was awesome in the fourth quarter. Stetson Bennett played championship football, and he outdueled C.J. Stroud in the winning moments. That's 100% what he did. So uh, props to him for this. I mean, it was awesome. So now the question is, what's next for Ohio State after the loss to Georgia? I think you keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I, I think that this game did prove a lot of things, and one is that Ryan Day is not in over his head at all. I don't believe that. Uh, I believe that... He called a hell of a ball game. Like, Ryan Day was awesome. And so, your defense is going to continue to get better. This is only year one of Jim Knowles. I believe you keep doing what you're doing, and you keep recruiting, and you don't worry about transfer portal. You just do what you've been doing. Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. I think that the Alabamas out there have reset expectations. Like, this is a spot that Ohio State could have just as easily, if if they make a kick at the end of the game, they are in the national championship and they are favored by 10 points. That's the difference. Now, if you stop one of those touchdowns that Georgia scored, you're in the national championship game. Like, that's, that is the difference here. You stay the course. You do what you're going to do. I think that's what's next for Ohio State. Now, we did get some interesting news in, uh, or I guess before the Rose Bowl. Kirk Herbstreet said on College Game Day on Monday uh, before the Rose Bowl that he's hearing that Ryan Day is going to give up play calling duties or that it's at least a possibility. And he said that this came straight from Ryan Day. Uh, We'll open this up and and put it on the screen here so that you can see what I'm looking at. Uh, This is over at 11 Warriors. Herb Street says Ryan Day is considering giving up offensive play calling duties. Now, this is a little weird to me. Um, it said Ryan Day mentioned in our production meeting he's going to stop calling plays next year because he needs to become more of a manager as a head coach. And when you're prepping a game plan, there's a lot more that goes into it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to be ready to call those plays on Saturday. So he's thinking about maybe relinquishing those play calling duties. Now, this is an interesting time to be giving up play-calling duties because you just lost Kevin Wilson, who I believe is the guy that he would most trust with this, uh, to be the new Tulsa head coach. 
So if you're going to replace him, these guys are explaining that it will likely come from within. It's going to be one of these guys. Uh, associate head coach for the offense or offensive line coach Justin Fry and passing game coordinator wide receivers coach Brian Hartline being the two leading candidates. Neither one has ever called plays in a game. So if you're going to give up play-calling duties, wouldn't you imagine that you would want to bring in somebody that's experienced? I mean, I understand going with younger guys that you trust and whatnot, but uh, goodness, that is a, a big, big responsibility going into next year. Uh, it says, while Day could also look to bring in an experienced play caller from outside the program, there are not currently any openings on Ohio State's full-time coaching staff as Keenan Bailey has already been promoted to tight ends coach to replace Wilson in that role. That's a weird spot. Ryan Day, uh, now he may not give up the play calls. I think he's a perfectly fine play caller. I don't think offense has been the problem. I think the defense has been the problem. Again, they just gave up 42 points to Georgia. That can be fixed in the future. You can, of course, recruit to the identity of whatever it is that Jim Knowles wants that defense to be. Jim Knowles is not going anywhere. This is a very, very interesting time for Ohio State. But I don't think that anything this season meant that they needed to get off the course that they're already on. You don't have to get off the track. Sometimes things do not go your way, but you trust your process. That's what I believe. I think Ohio State is a brilliant, wonderful football program. And uh, and as long as they continue... On this path, they are going to get another national championship. Sometimes things fall your way, sometimes they don't. But uh, that is what I'm looking at here. So, all right, let's uh, let's hit an ad, and then we're going to hit a few more things on the other side. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit betustv.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And now, back to the show. All right, let me go on and tell you right quick. Check out Valtimary Surf Company. Uh, there's a link in the description. These guys are awesome. It's a collegiate town apparel company. Incredible material. 
I mean, it's insanely comfortable. Go and check them out, and go and check out Flow Sports as well, if you would so kindly. If you haven't already, go ahead and like the video for me, and uh, subscribe to the channel, and subscribe, of course, to the podcast. We're going to be changing some things up around here. That's our plan. Winning Cures Everything is going to look different. It's going to sound different. Uh, we're going to try some different things this year. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. But, yeah, check it out. Flow Sports, Valtimary Surf Company, uh, of course, BetUS. Yeah, all the links in the description. Go and check those things out. Go and check them out and uh, make sure that you are subscribed and that you like the video. Share it out with your buddies if you would so kindly. All right, let's hit on a few more games. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about a few different things when we get to Thursday's show. Uh, obviously, don't forget about the BetUS College Football Show on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. But the Rose Bowl, Penn State 35, Utah 21. I called this one, didn't I? I? I told you guys, Penn State is a good, good football program and that the opt-outs for Utah were massive. Absolutely massive. Let's pull it up on the screen, show you what the expected points are or were. It, this thing was always headed Penn State, the entire ball game. You look at this, and it was just... I, I, I can't even begin to describe it. Penn State had to... Uh, defend a lot more plays than Utah did, but Penn State scored a lot. Look at look at what Sean Clifford did in this game. 16 out of 22, passing for 279 yards, two touchdowns. Now, I know that Cameron Rising got hurt in this game. I understand that. Uh, he was 8 of 21 for 95 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Bryson Barnes, 10 out of 19, 112 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, there, there's just a big difference here. So... Uh, when I when I look at this, I am I believe that Penn State was just significantly better than Utah. Nick Singleton, by the way, seven carries, 120 yards on this. Like it, it, his long was 87. Yes, I understand he had a long run, but Penn State is set up, man. They are set up going forward. Uh, this team is going to be one of the favorites in the Big Ten next year. Now, I don't know that they will be a favorite over Ohio State, um, but I, who knows, right? Because both of them have new quarterbacks coming in. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, Drew Alar, by the way, only passed uh, the ball one time in this. And so they, they were not using this as a warm-up for next season. No, sir. Uh, Penn State was awesome in this game. Cheers to them on that. Uh, let's talk about the here. Oh, no, no, no. Here's what I wanted to do. Uh, what's next for Utah? I don't think Cam Rising's going anywhere. Like, he's listed as a junior. He should be back next year. After that, uh, I think Dalton Kincaid is back again. You're probably going to lose some guys off that defense. You're going to lose some guys. Um, eh, Dalton Kincaid might be, he might be a senior. We'll have to look into this. Either way, what's next for Utah? Do they continue to reload under Kyle Whittingham? Like, it, there was all those rumors last year about Kyle Whittingham retiring at the end of that Rose Bowl last year. I I don't believe he's retiring. But if he was going to retire, uh, it, it might be this, like, after this past Rose Bowl, or it might be uh, whenever Cameron Rising decides to hang it up. Like decides thing, and whenever he moves on, right? Whenever he graduates, no more eligibility at some point. 
I think that's the biggest thing here. I, because that defense did not look great this year, but they they had some new pieces. Maybe they look a little bit better next year. But this Pac-12 is going to be difficult going forward, especially with Dan Lanning, with Chip Kelly, with all of these different... Uh, it's funny to, to call Dan Lanning an offensive guy. He's really not. He's a defensive guy. But uh, you get the point here, right? There's new faces in the Pac-12 that are recruiting like gangbusters. I'm interested. What is Utah going to be going forward? I think they're still going to be really good next year with, as long as Cameron Rising is the quarterback. But there are, like you can, you can see the end coming. This window is closing. Uh, which, by the way, with this Rose Bowl loss, they are now 0-7, I believe, against their last seven Power 5 non-conference opponents. Not good. Not good. All right, let's move on to the Cotton Bowl. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Tulane for just a minute. Tulane forty six, USC forty five, and what a magnificent, magnificent game this was. Uh, we'll pull up the stats on the screen here so that you can see what we're looking at. And Tulane, look at those expected points. Look at that. Play number fifty two. They were plus thirty six EPA on the day. That is awesome. Now, USC, play number 84, they were plus 32. I mean, it's just nuts to think about. This entire game, USC led with four minutes and 30 seconds left. They were up 45 to 30, and they lost the game. And the issue here is very simple. You can't give up possessions if you're USC. You, you may not have to score every time, but you have to be able to run that clock a little bit. That safety... Uh, when they when they totally botched the kickoff return, like that that was the end of the game for them. I mean, good gracious! Look look at these numbers for Michael Pratt: eight of seventeen passing for two hundred thirty four yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's thirteen point eight yards per pass. But e- even more so when you're looking at per actual reception, like uh, per completion. That is just mind-blowing, like the amount of yardage that he was able to actually uh, accrue there. And so you had a a long pass of 87 yards, 59 yards, 24 yards. Tajay Spears was 14. Like Tajay Spears had 17 carries for 205 yards. Just mind-blowing. Michael Pratt ran the ball 15 times for 83 yards. But the other side of this is Pratt only had to have eight completions to put up 234 yards passing. Uh, on the other side, Caleb Williams, 37 out of 52, 462 yards, five touchdowns, one pick. Like He was awesome. Uh, USC was actually able to run the ball pretty well. Like Relique Brown, six carries, 61 yards. Uh, Austin Jones, 22 carries, 61 yards. Like they, they were okay. They were not terrible in this spot. But, man, Utah, that safety was the biggest play in the game. USC held the ball for 40 minutes. Tulane was scoring so fast. Uh, let's look at the play-by-play on this. I, I do want to see uh, the scoring drives. Tulane, eight plays, 75 yards, three minutes. Tulane, two plays, 92 yards, 50 minutes or 50 seconds. Excuse me. Uh, in the third quarter, seven plays, 76 yards, three minutes. Seven plays, 40 yards, three minutes. Three plays, 65 yards, 44 seconds. And then, of course, late in the game. 
You had two plays, 63 yards, 23 seconds. And then the very last drive of the game, 12 plays, 66 yards, 3 minutes, and 11 seconds. Their longest drive of the game was the final game-winning drive. Didn't have a single one that went over 3 minutes and 11 seconds. Like, Tulane was awesome. So what? what's next for Tulane? What's next for Willie Fritz's bunch? Well, Pratt's coming back. Tajay Spears is going to the NFL. Uh, this team has built a winning culture. Even when they went 2-10, and 10, this was still a winning culture. You didn't have a bunch of guys that were deciding to transfer away. Like, it wasn't anything like that. Uh, this team is built now. They are built and they are ready to compete again. And that is, it shouldn't be shocking, uh, but they are investing in this football program now. They are looking to take over next year. Well, I mean, they've already done it this year, and that was while you still had the three Big 12 uh, defections heading over to uh, the Big 12 this coming season. So imagine what Tulane can be without Houston, Cincinnati, uh, or UCF. And Tulane's only loss in conference this year was to a team that's not going to be here next year. So uh, it's something to pay attention to. Tulane can run the AAC. They really could. Their recruiting footprint is awesome, and Willie Fritz is an incredible coach. So that's that's what's next for Tulane is running this conference. They they can do this year in and year out. They can find guys like Tajay Spears. It's going to be awesome. Uh, as far as USC, what's next for this bunch? Alex Grinch gets a lot of love for having a good defense one year at Washington State under Mike Leach. A lot of love. Yeah, I think he had one top 25 defense. At Oklahoma, he was not great, right? I think uh, I think that's putting it mildly. Uh, he was he was not awesome at Oklahoma, and then he goes with, you know, Lincoln Riley. And no, he hadn't had time to recruit to this yet. There's also the other side of this, right? These these defenses. Everybody always blames Lincoln Riley's defensive coordinators, but there is something to be said about the the style of offense that you play and how much that can affect your defense. We saw it with Phil Longo, who was the OC at at North Carolina this year. Gene Chizik is not a great defensive coordinator, but he ain't as bad as what they had on the field at North Carolina this year. Uh, You've seen it with multiple other... Mike Leach has rarely had a good defense, and he finally found one with Zach Arnett, right? And he, he had found one with Alex Grinch, but there's also something to Leach's offenses where... It's not quite the same, I think, as Lincoln Riley's bunch. <coughs> Excuse me. I think that there's there's a few different things that can really affect how your defense prepares each week. And when they don't see the same style of offense or whatever, like you, you need your you really need your scout team offense to be different than what your offense is actually running. There's a lot of different ways that you could go about this, but uh, we will we will figure this out, I'm sure, because if Lincoln Riley believes that Alex Grinch is the problem, then he will fire him. I did have somebody reach out to me yesterday. Uh, no, 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 Ravi, uh, Ravi Lula um, up in Omaha. He told me, or he, he put out a tweet. How's that? And I think I responded to it. I don't remember how this interaction went down. 
He said, uh, would it make sense for USC to reach out and offer Jim Leonard like $3 million to be their defensive coordinator? And my response was, yes, absolutely. Like, if you're USC, you're already investing in this football program. You're wanting to get to the highest, you know, upper echelon of the sport. You want to make a playoff. Jim Leonard knows defense, especially Big Ten defense, which is where USC is going. That would make sense. But when you look at the style of offense and the style of defense, does Jim Leonard want anything to do with that? And that's a really, really interesting question. So I'm uh, I'm interested to see which way this ends up going. Uh, let's uh, let's talk one more. Let's talk about the Sugar Bowl here in just a second. All right, Sugar Bowl, Alabama forty-five, Kansas State twenty, and this one was entertaining to say the least. At least to me, and you guys know that. The the Bryce Young and Will Anderson send off was obviously a success, right? Obviously a success. Let's look at what actually happened in this game. Let's pull up a box score so that you can see what we're looking at. Uh, Bryce was 15 of 21 for 321 yards and five touchdowns. So one of every three passes that Bryce Young threw was, in fact, a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs had a big day, averaged 5.1 on the day, uh, 76 yards total on 15 carries. And then you look at the Alabama receiving. Uh, Jermaine Burton said that he is staying in school. So, Burton, three receptions, 87 yards, one touchdown, uh, with a long of 47. Jameer Gibbs, two receptions for 66 yards. Uh, Cameron Latu, five for 54. Ja'Cory Brooks, two for 51. You had Kobe Prentice with a one reception, 47 yards for a touchdown. Jace McClendon, um, excuse me, McClellan uh, had a reception. And then Isaiah Bond had a touchdown reception. Like, Bryce Young threw five touchdown passes to five different receivers. You can't tell me that that media narrative this season about them not having a stud receiver is true because they do have stud receivers. Some of them are young. They just had to find them. Now, I don't think that they necessarily found them in the bowl game, uh, but what I'm saying is, like, they still got dudes. Like, it, this, this, is, this year didn't go the way that they wanted, but they still got dudes. Uh, you look at what they did on defense. I mean, DeMarco Hellams, 13 tackles. Brian Branch had 12. Jordan Battle had nine. Like, these guys are awesome. And so I'm uh, – the fact that they were able to get uh, interceptions as well, like, that's, that's the other part of this. Uh, Alabama has not been very good in turnover margin all year long. And instead, this go-round, uh, they had zero turnovers, and they forced two. Will Howard threw two picks in this game. So, definitely interesting. Alabama had almost 500 yards. Uh, what, what's next for the Tide? What's next for Alabama? Is it going to be the Jalen Milrow show? I don't know that to be true. Uh, is it going to be the Ty Simpson show? That one, I think, is more likely. Uh, we have seen Jalen Milrow throw the football. He's not great. But was Ty Simpson ready this year? Eh, probably not. So... Uh, I think that that's who they are anticipating being the starter next year. Now, obviously, I have been wrong about these things in the past. Uh, 2015, uh, or no, 2014, I believe Jake Coker was going to be the starter, and we saw how that went. Who knows? Uh, but this Alabama team is still 
insanely loaded. Like, they're going to be awesome again next year. Uh, what's next for Kansas State? They're still going to have dudes next year. They lose Deuce Vaughn now. Um, but they still got guys. Chris Kleiman is an incredible coach. Just because he was not able to get it done against a far more superior uh, football team, talent-wise, there's nothing to really hang their head about. I think Kansas State's going to be fine. I think they'll still be in contention to win the Big 12 next year. Like That's, that's just my guess. But obviously we'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, for Alabama, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jameer Gibbs, and uh, Brian Branch all announced that they are leaving early for the NFL draft. And then you got other guys that are seniors as well, like Henry Toa Toa is going to be gone. Uh, you got, who did I mention before? Jordan Battle. He's I think he's going to the NFL. Uh, so you, you're losing a lot as far as NFL talent, but you still got some dudes. You still got dudes. So uh, with Kansas State, I think Adrian Martinez is gone, but I also believe he was healthy for this game and they instead chose to roll with Will Howard. And Will Howard is only listed as a junior. And we'll see what ends up happening there. There's uh, there's a lot more things that we could talk about. Uh, you know what? On Thursday's show, I'll probably talk about the Orange Bowl. I'm going to talk a little bit about Sam Hartman and the Notre Dame rumors and all that kind of stuff. We'll see what actually breaks between now and then. LSU rumors? I'm probably not going to touch it right here. But maybe on Thursday, I'll bring up a little more if we see what else happens. So... Lots going on in the world of college football. Hopefully, you guys will stick around with me. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, etc. Tell your friends about it. And uh, subscribe on podcast. If you can't be here for the YouTube show, we toss this thing over on the audio version as well. Uh, with that said, go check out BetUS. It's America's premier online sportsbook. Hopefully, hopefully, my voice will get to sounding better by tomorrow uh, for the Wednesday 1 p.m. Eastern time BetUS college football show where we're going to talk Georgia and TCU. We're going to talk the breakdown over there, give you our picks, our predictions, what we see happening in that game, what the numbers say about it, all that good stuff, all the analysis you could possibly need for the college football playoff national championship game. Uh, but go and get signed up over at BetUS. You get a $50 uh, no-deposit-required free play. So go and sign up. There's a link in the description for that. Check out Valtimary Surf Company. Check out, of course, Flow Sports. I think that's going to do it for right now. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. What a start to 2023. I can't wait to get this thing rolling, to get Winning Cures everything, uh, to be exactly the way that I want it to be this year. With that said, let's get out of here. You, uh, you guys are so, so good. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.